ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Podcast Juice here on Podcast Juice. My name is Michael Dean. Joining me today is Mr. Terrence Jackson. Sir, how are you? Hey, good morning, good day, blessed day to everybody. Yes, sir. And Terrence, man, I mean, what's special about you? We always have special guests, but today we're going to go back into time. We're going to take it back to the old school. We're going to really get into something like that. OG times, original, you know, <laughs> days of Minneapolis and Prince, Terrence, Chaz, Andre. These are the cats who was there from the beginning. And so this is before all of the fame and all that stuff. And we you know, were talking about when kids, when we, you know, when uh, people was kids and, you know, they moms, you know, red light, green light, all, all that old school <laughs> type stuff <laughs> that we all grew up with. That is important, you know, to sort of look into as well, to sort of see how people, um, you know, were shaped and, and, and their family and stuff like that. So I'm really excited to talk to you today, Terrence. Thank you. Well, like, I, like, I like to tell people, like, everybody has a beginning. Yeah. And for some odd reason, the stars placed me in the beginning of uh, the artist known as Prince's life. And uh, it's crazy because growing up, I never referred to him as Prince. Uh, for me, it was always Skipper. Okay. So a lot of times in a conversation, if I slip and say Skipper, I apologize. No disrespect. <laughs> no, no, no problem, man. We, we've heard that name before. And uh, so let's just get into it, man. I want to go back uh, to your beginnings and let's just start out. Now, you were born and raised in uh, Minnesota. Is that right? Minneapolis. Well, yeah, Minneapolis was really funny is my mother and father. Both graduated from Central High School, the same uh, high school that Prince graduated from in 1951, wow. my mother and father. And then, um, uh, you know, um, oddly enough, my mom and Prince's mom knew each other as teenagers, you know, when they were young. Because I always heard uh, Miss Matadella always talking about how she used to hold me in her arms when I was a baby. And then, you know, thing is, you know, um, by kindergarten, you know, um, like I said, I remember a memory I have is like, you know, during, you know, nap time, Prince and I had our, our mats next to each other. And, I, and, and you know, little kid memories that you had to stay for some reason. But I remember when I used to look at Prince sleeping on his mat, his eyelids would be closed, but his eyeballs would be moving back and forth. And mm -hmm. so for years and years and years, because me to realize that it was REM, rapid eye movement, that he fell asleep really quick and was dreaming really fast. Of course, I, you know, as I got older, I feel like, but, it, but that's one of the crazy memories I have about growing up with this guy. Everybody knows this Prince artist. Wow. Now, yeah. Okay. So, like, set, just a little setup for the listeners who don't really realize, you know, what we're talking about. Now, you all lived uh, next door to each other or in the same neighborhood. Give us a little background. Well, this, this, this how this, yeah, this, this how that worked out. Um, growing up, you know, we both lived on the north side, starting out in the same neighborhood in North Minneapolis. And then by the time he was 12, he, when he emancipated himself, basically, as you know, there were how the story would go, but when he emancipated himself when he was 12, he, um, he first wanted to move in with me. It was just me, my mother, and my father in my home at 1248. But next door at 1244 was Andre Simone, who actually moved in by the time he was maybe 10, 11, 12, somewhere around, but I think about 11 or 12, they moved in next door at 1244, Russell. But there were six kids. Andre is the youngest, then there's Linda, Renee, then there's Patricia, then there's um, uh, Eddie, Sylvia, and Sonny. So there's three boys and three girls. So um, I, according to what I recall, Bernadette was like, you know, my mom was, first of all, my mom was like, 
when Prince wanted to emancipate himself, he, she, my mom was like, no, um, I'll be whooping his butt every day if he's at my house. So Bernadette <laughs> no, was like, why, why bring him over say, here. Well, hold on for a second. Because, well, you know, my mom, when I'm 12 years old, my mom would use a word that I wasn't familiar with until I got older. She said he was too arrogant of a child at the time. And she mm-hmm. said she would whoop his butt every day. My mom was a, a, a serious disciplinarian. For instance, the prince would run from her. She'd take her shoe, her shoe, her, her house shoe off, and she would throw it at him. If he, as soon as he hit the corner, her house shoe would act like a boomerang and still hit him in the head. It was funny as heck. I'm telling you, man. But anyways, yeah, my mom didn't play. She, she, she didn't care whose kid you was. My, my aunties would send their kids over to my house to get whooping. Okay. Wow, okay. I my got mom, got that, that's how my mom was. Yeah, you don't see right. that, but anyways, see that so, very much nowadays. Huh? I said you couldn't do that now. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no. My mom would have went to jail a few times. <laughs> <laughs> okay, seriously. Anyways, but um, here's the thing. But so, anyways, so Bernadette and my mom and, and, and Matadella, they figured that Prince would be okay with the six kids over him because you know, um, Andre's brothers and sisters were some of the most best people you could ever know. But they they were the true brothers and sisters. They didn't play. They would thump you in the head. They would smack you in the back of the neck. You know, they were the kind of them kind of older brothers and sisters. You know, talk about you like real real bad. You know, oh, man, what's wrong with your hair? You know, all that kind of stuff. But so, anyways. So Prince moved in next door when he was 12. But between 1244 and 1248, the doors were never locked, you know? And so they're always like, if I got up too late in the morning to get to my kitchen table, Chaz, Charles, Arthur Smith, Andre, Simone, and Prince would be at my kitchen table. And every day, man, I had to like put four boxes of cereal together to get one bowl of cereal because they're like, man, they're eating up all my cereal. But my mom didn't care like that. That's just how my house was. Wow, wow. Let me back it up a little bit, and you say Prince emancipated himself. Now, what what year? Uh-huh. What year do you? What year are we talking here? This is around what? Like I said, I rather remember he was around twelve and stuff. Because again, you know, we're up, we're all born in fifty eight, but my birthday's in January, his birthday's in June, so I'm always a little bit older than him. But here's the thing: when my mom said the word, like I said, arrogant little child. Again, it it. it it, it, it kind of hurt me because by me being the only child, I always wanted to have a little brother to talk. Beg my mom for brother sister. So for Prince moving in, because Prince always spent the night at my house growing up. I had twin beds in my room. You know, my house is the house to come over and spend the night at. And like I said, I spent the night at his house, but it was a lot more at my crib. So um, so when the opportunity came for me to have him come to my house and stuff, we're like, yeah, but, you know, it didn't happen. But again, by him being next door, he spent an awful lot of time at my house. Because again, the house next door was full of people already. Mm. Now, what do you uh, remember? What I wanted to ask about was, did it seem uh, odd to you guys that he wanted to leave his house to live with you or somebody else? You know what, man? I'm going to say it like this. As as people know Prince as an artist, I knew him as, you know, a kid growing up, but he was always different. I ain't going to lie. You know, through elementary school, um, I can truly say I've seen him do at least three talent shows. One talent show, he, he kind of got laughed at, but he he tap danced like Fred Astaire. He did it. He did that, and it had it been about third or fourth grade, he tap danced. And then for two other um, uh, talent shows, I know one for sure. He played the man from Uncle, and that was like this. Everybody was like, "Oh, you're the stuff." And then like he played Batman, the Batman thing, played the whole way thing all the way through. And of course, he was, he was like, "Okay," but and then and then which another thing was, man, I just. I always thought it was a dream because the only other guy that knows about this whole incident that went with us is a guy named Gary Kane. And he's not with, he's with us, but he's not, he's kind of like, he's locked up. But, mm-hmm. but again, my mom dropped, I remember my mom dropping this off at the armory, the armory in Minneapolis. And it was to see James Brown. And I remember making our way through the crowd 
to get to the stage. And I always remember Prince being up on stage doing the mashed potatoes, man. And the band was like, you know, like, you know, getting a, getting James Brown ready, you know, just hyping it up. And, you know, the guy that put the cape on James Brown. But when Prince hit the stage and did the mashed potatoes, man, everybody just got stuck, right? And the dude that put the cape on James Brown kind of like snapped out of it and grabbed Prince and threw him off. Now, here's the thing. I never confirmed it. I never heard the story from anybody until I just seen recently on Facebook uh, an interview from 1985 on MTV. In the first five minutes, he talks about his stepfather, uh, Mr. Baker, who was, you know, that's one of the reasons why he, you know, I live in his house. But anyway, the point is, put him up on the stage. Because I'm always trying to think in my mind, how did his little behind get up on that big ass <laughs> stage at the armory, right? Because mm-hmm. again, we were 10 years old. But so all these years, I'm telling you, man, I'm 60 now. And, and it's always been a haze, but you know, he, I just been confirmed he did do it. It really happened. So it just tripped me out, man, because it was the funniest thing for days at school, man. Because he, I'm telling you, man, I, again, I, I don't remember how he got there, but I know it was, man, he was on the stage with the band, was kicking, they stopped. He was doing the mashed potatoes, man. The dude with the cape said, uh uh-uh. uh, grabbed him, tossed him off, man. We laughed for days and weeks at John Hay Elementary, man. It was the funniest stuff, man. But I've never heard nobody talk about it since. <laughs> but the funny thing is, then, then I get the video with him and Michael Jackson getting on stage with James Brown years later. Right. It's amazing. Wow. It's amazing. But again, it's really funny that nobody talked about that. I've had no, I've heard nobody ever talk about him jumping on stage doing the mashed potatoes at the Armory when he was 10. And, but it really happened because he confirmed it on the MTV interview. So I'm like, oh, it did happen. I wasn't a dream. Oh, thank you. Okay. And and you say, you know, y'all talked about it at school for days. What What, what was the school-like environment for y'all like? Like, how was y'all... Oh, man. John A. Elementary, man, was a gas. It was a multicultural school, but again, uh, the, the, the community we lived in had basically uh, been a Jewish community, and they basically moved out as blacks moved in. Uh, actually, my family, my dad, my mom, and me were the first black family on 12th, on 12th and Russell block. Mm. So, so, yeah. But uh, in the end, it's all brothers, sisters, cousins, nephews, and nieces now. Now, did y'all, like, walk to school, or was it, like, one of those busing type of things? Well, well, yeah, well, the school wasn't that far from us, man. Like, okay. uh, John Hay, it was basically, uh, John Hay and Lincoln Junior High School from my house from 12th and Russell was only, like, a, a, a block and, uh, like a block away, uh, a block and a half at the most. Mm. What, uh, so, and like, the time the guy, uh, go ahead, bro. No, no, you got it. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, like, the time that, that, that Chaz and Andre and Prince stole this dude's drums from Lincoln and stuff, they didn't have that far to go. The, the, this Chaz, Chaz had a, some difficulties with drum sets from time to time. <laughs> so this drum brother had a brand new drum set and he brought his Lincoln Junior High, right? And put it in the music room. And you know those 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 ceilings that you can like pop it, pop them out and like like kind of foamy stuff. Anyway, some kind of ceiling. So some guy, somehow these guys, these three guys, conceived a way to put the drums up into the ceiling to after school. And I don't know what difference that made, but anyway, that's what they did. I, I think it made it even more more of an issue. But anyway, they took him back down after school was out and brought him from Lincoln Junior High down the alley to my house. Now, we jammed for like three days. But the, here, here's the thing. One, right, I live on Russell. Our, our streets go in alphabetical order, like from Aldridge all the way to Xerxes. So I live on Russell, but the next block over is Queen. So the guy on Queen, he's looking at the back window in the alley from his house and sees these guys carrying the drums down the alley to my crib, tells the dude whose drums they belong to, Catches Chaz in class at Lincoln, and yeah, there was some issues. Wow. <laughs> yeah, 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 brother. Yeah, was, I'm telling you, man. Grand Central, we were like a little gang in my mind, you know. I mean, because like back in back in our day, we had like 
um, the Chi-Town Gangsters, uh, the Liberators, the Undertakers. They're all like our little neighborhood gangs back in the 70s and stuff. Ah, actually, I'm curious about that. I never really heard of, you know, that type of activity out there. Like, how was that? What was the politics of that, you know, as you guys was young kids? Well, uh, look, I'll say it like this, man. In, in During all the the, the riots in, in, in the U.S. during the, the late 60s, like 68, 69, uh, Plymouth Avenue, which is like the main strip of the north, uh, the heart of North Minneapolis, Penn Ave- from Penn Avenue down to, say, maybe Humboldt, was in flames on both sides of the street. They're all prominent businesses like, you know, grocery stores, movie theaters, you know, five, not nickel and dime stores, all up and down the blocks and stuff for, for really at least 10 blocks. Mm. And they were flames on both sides. And when we lived, at the time we lived on Knox, that's before we, we moved it on up to, to Russell. We lived on Knox at the time, so we are about maybe three blocks from that strip. And you can see the flames from my backyard and all that. And, and then at the same time, the National Guard in, the, in my neighborhood on those blocks for like maybe about a week or two. And me, myself, being uh, maybe eight or nine, saw people coming out of the, the, the country boy store, and all I saw was a bunch of Twinkies. So I grabbed some Twinkies, and somebody put M16 in my face, and my mom said, don't leave the house. Please. So, uh, wow. Yeah, that was my story about that one. But, yeah, we had an incident in, in, in Minneapolis, Minnesota, man. It, it went down like that. As a matter of fact, just a few, a couple of years ago, when that young man got 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 killed by the, by the Minneapolis police, they actually shut down Plymouth Avenue for about three blocks for like 17 days in front of the Memphis police station on the north side. Mm. So, yeah, it, 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 we, we ain't no, we don't, we ain't, we, Prince is way he is because our community, we ain't, we don't play. Yeah, it, I guess you trying to say, it ain't all Raspberry Beret and Purple Rain, no, Purple no, Rain no, movie no. fantasy. No, no, we, no, look, it, it, look, it got bad at a time we had this annual event in Minneapolis called the Aquatennial Parade that happens, Aquatennial Parade that happens in the summertime. Big deal. We've been going for a week, big events. And so they have a big deal downtown Minneapolis. It got so bad where they didn't want blacks to even come down to the event anymore. So we started our own event in North Minneapolis at the Phyllis Willie Community Center. And that's where the Battle of the Bands really took its, its its hold because we used to battle against Terry Lewis's band, Flight Times, Sonny T's band, the family Back to Black, and we were standing the stage and we used to, we used to, we used to kill them. But the whole thing is, in a, in a, in a, in a short in the short of that, there'd be no no less than five thousand, about fifteen twenty thousand blacks and, and people all in one area, all because of the racial situation in Minneapolis back in the seventies. Oh, okay, okay. Now, you talked about the bands and stuff, and we wanted to go back, like, you know, so y'all was kids, like, how early did you guys start to, you know, gravitate to wanting to play instruments? Well, I know that, again, Prince's father was a musician, you know, uh, Prince, you know, that's how Prince got his name from his dad, Prince Rogers Nelson, because his dad called himself the Prince, but, um, um, there was always a piano. I was upright piano in Prince's basement as far as long as I remember. But that didn't happen until they moved until like the Eighth Avenue, whatever house and stuff. The second house, the first house didn't have no piano. wasn't big enough. But um, but Prince, like I said, you know, growing up, he like I said, John A. Elementary, he was playing Batman and Man from Uncle, so he was already versed in that. Now, the first time me personally getting into the, my mom bought me a drum set when I was ten years old. And so my my first my first personal instrument was a, was a drum set, but by the time I got in junior high school, seventh grade, I'm sitting. Me and my mama sitting in the audience, and there's a trio on stage, and it's Andre, Prince, and Chaz, and they're doing their thing. And and out this, I'm telling you, out there in the world, if the world can hear me. My mom took a picture of those three on stage, 
and somebody snatched it out of my house. It's somewhere, or I gave it away. I don't know. I can't say the way snatched it, but it's, I, I don't have it, but it's, I know it exists. The, the picture of that tree on one stage, somewhere, cause my mom took a picture of it. But um, anyway, so after that happened in seventh grade, they really didn't have anywhere to go rehearse, basically, because they couldn't do it at Chaz's crib, you know, because whatever, and they couldn't do it at, at, at Andre's Simone's crib, and Prince was staying there. So my mom said it was okay for them to come to my house. So I remember the three of them being in my basement, back by in the laundry room because my I, we had a, a big finished basement at my, at my house. But in the laundry room, my mom let them set up. So they're back there doing their thing, and I had nothing to play. But there was this like this this hollow body guitar sitting around with no strings on. I picked it up and I started like playing like I was boggles or whatever. And the next thing I know, my mom took me to a pawn shop and got me a a, 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 a conga drum, a king conga. Matter of fact, my first drum was a king conga. And and so um, from there we started rehearsing like a band. I was a part of the band, so it was it was a quartet now. And one of the very first gigs I remember, because we well, here's the thing. Okay, the, the, everybody hears about all different names. We went through it, it becoming Grand Central. The first <laughs> like the first name that was like nah was like Chaz came up with. It's called the band Charles Cousin and Friends. We're like no, but. You know, that didn't fly too well. Wait, wait, and wait. Say that again. The say, say the name again. <laughs> yeah. Chaz came up with the name Charles Cousin and Friends. Like Fly, like fly the Family Hilarious. Stone kind of thing, I Hilarious. guess. He was going off. Well, I don't know, man. But no, that didn't fly. <laughs> and then around that time, too, there were two songs out. One by Sly Stone and one by, by James Brown. And they're both titled Sex Machine. You know, mm -hmm. and they were both big hits for both of, for both of them. And so, of course... You know, not thinking of the of the of the in in, in, in incarnation of the word itself, we're like we want to call ourselves sex machine. And so we said that out loud. Our moms were like, "Nah, no, you're not using that name for your band." No, so sex machine was out. And then I came up with the, the name Young Bloods, and, uh, and I were like, "Nah." But at the same time, we were like listening to a whole lot of Grand Funk Rainbow. Really liked them. I actually went to go see them live at the old Met Center in Bloomington, Minnesota. Went to go see them. And stuff and um it was it was a blast but anyways um so that was a part of it and, and the whole central thing everybody says it because he went to central high school i don't know but anyway somehow some way we ended up becoming grand central and that became the that stuff okay. yeah. oh and then everybody kept calling it then everybody kept on saying we're, we're like grand central station grand central station no we're not no it's grand central not grand central station it's larry graham because larry graham that came out too with grand central station around the same time and, and remind me, so uh, if Chaz was playing the drums, what were you? What were you playing? Or were you? In well, like I said, as, 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 as a quartet, when we first started getting, it, it was a trio: Andre on bass, Prince on guitar, uh, Chaz on drums, and then I, I then I came in on percussion. Okay. Uh, well, well, conga basically, a conga, one conga drum, okay. and 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 that's really funny because I don't know if you ever heard of the name Spike Moss, but Spike Moss was a community leader. Uh, on the north side and Minneapolis all together. And he had this place, community center called The Way, which Sonny, which where Sonny T's band developed that, uh, uh, Back to Black, then they changed the name back to, to the family. Anyways, um, they used to always have events at their place. It was on Plymouth Avenue. And one of the very first gigs we ever did was uh, at, at The Way because the Spikes said, come on, you guys, come on down. Never heard us before or nothing and didn't know what we sounded like. But I'm telling you, man, I, every time I hear the song on my Pandora or I hear it on the radio or I see it in a movie, I'm like, man, we actually played this song. And I'm like, we were like 12, 13 years old at the time. 
and we actually played the song, and, and the song is is of Santana's Soul Sacrifice from um, from Woodstock. Okay, wow. You and guys... Prince played. It, I guess. Well, I'm saying, like I said, Prince played the the the, the, the not only the uh, the Santana parts, but I think um, what was his name? Um, um, the guitar player. Um, shoot, he was young. Now, Michael Sharif's the drummer. So, but the point is, we are. We see. We, okay, if nobody don't know this about Prince, yeah, I'm gonna say it out loud. He's a perfectionist. Always has been, apparently, and it went into all the way to his adulthood. Because if something didn't sound right, we laugh at you, at each other. Ah, uh, man, you know, because, again, we, we had, a, if it didn't sound like the record, then don't play it. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So that was that that was instilled right away with us. So when we played Soul Sacrifice, believe me, it sounded like Soul Sacrifice. Guitar, bass, drums, percussion, it sounded like the record. Wow. And we're like 11, 12, 13 years old. Now, let me ask you this. Does, so, that, does that come from, you, you kind of said, because they laugh at you, does that sort of, you better have that, that shit got to be tight, because if you wasn't, you was going to get clowned out. Like, people was going to... Well, well, see, here's the thing. Because, again, I really didn't know Prince into his, into his career as, as a lot of your other former guests have, 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 have and stuff. But here's my thing. Even by the time we were like 13 or 14, we were already docking each other. Because that caused one of the only, actually few fights, the only fight I ever known to have with Prince was um, I, I woke up one morning because my thing is I heard that he had brought the docking system in, into his, into his adult you know um, career into his, into his business. So he was docking people like oh, wrong note fifty dollars you know whatever, whatever. But here's the thing, I woke up one morning and I, I could hear the three of them at the table, but I could hear Prince the most talking about yeah we're talking Terry five dollars. Like huh? So I'm making up out of this. I'm not a, but I'm a, all I'm hearing is Prince. And at the time, you know, Prince had his big, you know, Michael Jackson afro, and, and he had this K-cutter. You know what a K-cutter is? Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, like an afro pick. A pick, It's yeah. got the, the long, hello? Yeah, no, I said like a pick. Yeah. I'm... Yeah, like a pick, yeah, with a handle on it. So Prince would always say, say, say to people that, I'm sorry, you lost me for a second. I'm wrong. He would always say to people that he would take the pick out. I'm like, yeah, if I ever get in a fight, I'm going to take the pick out of my hair and I'm going to hit him in the face. And he'd always say that, right? So I'm like, okay, so I get in the kitchen, man. We're standing, we, we had this island in the middle of my kitchen. There's some pictures around somewhere, but there's an island in my kitchen. So Prince was like, my God, up, well, you told me to come to the kitchen. He got up and stood up right next to the island. So first thing I'm thinking, like, I'm a little bit taller than him. So I'm thinking, he's going to grab his pick. He's going to hit me in the face with it. So as soon as I thought that, he grabbed it. And so I ran. And from my kitchen going to the dining room, the dining room goes into the living room and out the front door. And anyway, so I ran through the kitchen door, and and we grabbed it, and, I, and he threw it at me, right? And it's stuck in the wall. And everybody kind of, like, looked at it. And it's kind of, so you know how it does, like, sticking in the wall, it is kind of, like, slowly, like, falls. Right. It did with them notions. And, and so when it did that, we're all like, and I look at Prince, and Prince will get me. And he's, from the kitchen, he goes straight out the front door. Boom, he's gone. He was fast, right? He's gone. And so I, I chase, I'm chasing after him, and he's like three or four like houses ahead of me, and I'm like, oh, okay, I can't even catch him. So that was that. That was about the only true, I think, fight we ever had since Kindergarten. Well, <laughs> man, that's kind of crazy. So he threw <laughs> that. That would have to be in a movie. So you came in the room, and he was talking about docking you. And then, but what, what yeah, prompted five, him? Man, to, man, look at man, $5, man, five, in the 70s, man, $5 is big money, man. Oh, for Come sure, on. for sure. I mean, I'm just saying, but what prompted him to want to throw the pick at you? Did you, like, run up on him or something? Because that, because it could, because I was, because I, first of all, I, I, my mom used to throw 
stand in my doorway in my room and throw shoes at me. She wouldn't come next to me and, and like, touch me to wake me up. I don't wake up good. And, and again, I woke up here and somebody tried to charge me some money on something crazy. So, yeah, I, I, I had, I guess, <laughs> I might have been a little menacing, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and Sprint wasn't taking no chance. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and did, like, everybody yeah, sort so. of stop and pause when that, when that, Pick went into the wall like. Oh man, Whoa. no! I'm, I'm telling you, man. No, it was. It was like, yeah, no. It 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 just in the wall, and again, it did the slow. It fell to the ground, and me and Prince did that eye contact, and he took off. <laughs> I know you was like, but <laughs> man, it was again. Though, I, I mean, I'm fast. Look here, I was the fastest in Lincoln Junior High School in ninth grade. Okay, we went to the, we went to the city track meet the, the whole nine man, blue ribbons down. I'm a very fast man. I used to be. Um, I know I, I can barely walk. Now, the main point is, I used to be really fast. Prince was faster. That's all I was saying. Like I said, by the time I hit outside, he was like three or four hours down. And I couldn't catch him. Now, I couldn't even think about it. And now, I forgot. Like, who was? Uh, what were the ages? Who was the older and younger of the of the crew here? Well, I, I, me, Andre, and Prince are all born in 1958. Oh. Linda uh, is a, about a year older, if not two. Chaz is about a year, if not two. And Morris a year older, not if not two. Mm, okay. And oh yeah, I'm sorry. In Hollywood, don't William Dowdy. I'm William. I love you, man. I'm sorry, man. Hollywood, 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 Hollywood's been there since kindergarten with us too. It was me because the the picture of my mom took over us in first grade. It's me, Andre. I mean, me. Excuse me, me, Hollywood, and Prince in first grade. Miss Cheese's class at John Hay. And then the picture of us on my mom and dad's front lawn at twelve forty eight of all of us together. Uh, Linda, Andre, Simone, Morris Day, myself, Prince, and William Dowdy, Hollywood. It's really funny because Hollywood, Prince, and myself are standing all next to each other, and there's a picture of us in first grade together. So that's like some twilight. To me, that's like a twilight zone situation. Mm-hmm. You know how it all worked out. You know, like that. And um, oh, I'm curious, what was the aftermath of that, of the pick incident? Did y'all just sort of laugh it off? And oh man, no nah, man, come on man. Like you know, look at man. I, I, if nothing else, our mom ain't gonna let us fight. <laughs> okay, right. about anything, no matter what it is. You know, that, again, you know, my mom was five foot three, but, but you might have thought she was about, about six, nine, <laughs> 400. Mm. Yeah. Oh. But, yeah. But yeah, we, yeah, that, that, that didn't happen. You know, we, again, we loved each other, man. Like I said, we were a gang, man. We looked out for each other. We loved each other. You know, we, we broke bread with each other. You know, we, I, I mean, it's like, like for instance, learning songs. There, there's a, a picture I got on Facebook. Um, I'm standing in front of the stereo. I got one of my outfits for Grand Central in it. But anyways, there's a stereo, man. We spent hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours at that stereo because, you know, learning our songs, we had, we, that was the only method of learning songs because there was no, they, them guys didn't even have a closing play next door to listen to, you know, any music on. And Chad's dad was too, too kind of like, much of a disciplinarian to be hanging out at his house listening to music. So my mom being, a, she, my mom, see, my mother, she was a special education school teacher at John Hay and Lincoln and worked for the, uh, the Manhattan School Board. And then my father was one of me after his first black city prosecutors and reco- retired county attorney. Oh, okay. Again, he graduated, they both graduated from Central High School. So my house was kind of like a community center. When we had the ping pong, ping pong table in the basement, that was a big thing. A lot of people talk about Prince playing ping pong. That's, yeah. That was a battle zone. Ping pong table at 1248 was a battle zone, brother. No. We was we stand in line taking turns <laughs> like next, next, next. Uh, who, was, who was winning the games back then? Man, <laughs> man, it was my house and my table. Hello? <laughs> okay. 
Come on, man. How dare you not sign Mike? Because <laughs> not to my see, the reason for the no, the reason for my the ping pong table. See, my dad was in Korean War, and he spent a lot of time in Korea mm-hmm. doing special duty and stuff like that. So he had a lot of free time. So he played a lot. He played a lot of ping pong, mm-hmm. and so he was like trying to be the master of the table. But okay, but point is, it was my still my table. That's all I'm saying. Leave it at that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I would have loved. It yeah. would have been a great. I would have been cool if if uh, you had came as y'all was adults because i heard i heard prince was 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 cold on the ping pongs as you know in the late well days. well man no but see that but see the, the no fudge fudge ping pong basketball see not see not, i mean how did we are we are athletic as everybody knows prince was athletic jazz was athletic I, simone's athletic i'm athletic thing is man music became our sport but we still like sports now like i said all of our blocks were alphabetical we were on Russell, so we're like in the middle, kind of like you know, third away down from like the, the neighborhood. But the, the neighborhood starts at Aldridge, you know, Bryant, you know, Colfax, yada yada yada, all the way to Xerxes. So every neighborhood is a different neighborhood with with a a, a basketball hoop and somebody's garage in the back in the alley. Mm. And I'm telling you, man, it was a challenge up and down every block. <laughs> Me, Andre, Prince, and Chad. Everywhere, man, we hit every block, every, you name any street, any street, anybody who said they, they, they could hoop it. Five brothers, it could be five brothers, big, huge. We, we go, we go up against them, man. Basketball was our, everywhere, because I see my whole thing was, I hear the story about Charlie Murphy playing Prince against him, but he's playing, I'm like, man, I wish, I wish, I really wish I could have played him in some high heels, because, man, I, come on, man, come on, try to move, man. Anyway, the point is, man, I still play. Chad still plays. We, I don't know about Simone, but I know I still, hey, the point is, how about this, man? Prince and my dad challenged me and Chaz to a, a best out of three up at North Commons Park. And again, mind you, my, my, again, I said my mom was five foot three. So was my dad. My dad was five foot three. But I, I'm six feet tall. Chad's six feet tall. And we're both about this height by the time we're 15 or 16. So we're always tall, mm. right? But he, so Prince has always been Prince. So he ain't never, even in the picture of us and my mom and dad's front lawn, you can see he was that for He already comes to my shoulders. So Prince ain't never been very tall either. So my dad and Prince against me and Chaz. Now, like, Chaz is a hooper. I can hoop. Prince, as people know, can hoop. My dad, he can hoop, I guess. So I guess. we played two out of three, man. <laughs> no, man, I'm going to say it like this. Me and Chaz did not get the best out of two and three. Or two out of three. Mm, okay. Chaz, I mean, Prince and my dad whooped our butts, man. And we just, me and Chaz talked about the other day, man. It's, yeah, we, we were kind of reminiscing about that, man. Yeah, my dad and Prince, man, they, they, two little short brothers, they, they, they hooked us out. Wow. Prince used to have, he used to have this little stutter step move. I could never, I, I mean, I knew it, Clyde, but no them all my life. So I kind of knew it when he had this little, little stutter move he would do on you and stuff coming to, coming on the sideline under the hoop. And he would get you with it if you didn't know it, but he would pretty much get you, like, I say 99% of the time with that, this movie had. Yeah, he could play, and he had a good shot. Okay, okay. Yeah, um, yeah, he, me, he was quick. Tell me about, <laughs> I, I, you know, you had sent me over a few things to, to review, but there was something that jumped out mm-hmm. I thought was kind of funny. Can you elaborate more about this, uh, y- y'all going to the drive-in movies? Oh, uh, uh, yeah, the driving <laughs> movies. Now, you know, it, it's it's Minnesota, and, and we got really nice, you know, summer and, and fall nights, and we have driving theaters, and my mom was real big on those. And at the time, she had this um, uh, Vista Cruiser station wagon, you know, with the wooden panels and stuff. Mm. And 
you know, we come in the house and she's, you know, making the popcorn on the stove, you know, the old way with the, with the, with the pot and, and we got, then she's putting Kool-Aid in the, in the cool, in, in the cool and cooler and stuff. Right. <laughs> and, but by the time we get to the drive-in, it's, it's me, Chaz, Andre and Prince. And my mom was like, well, you know, um, I don't have enough money to get us all in. So, um, Andre, Prince, can you guys get underneath the seat? So she would have them to get underneath the back seat and fold it down. So when me and Charles and her would go in, they wouldn't see those two because they were so small. They were not as big as the rest of us. So anyways, that was, that was one way, you know, my mom was, was, you know, my mom was, again, when it came to us as a crew, Andre, Prince, me, Chaz, my mom took us like, on a, uh, she took us to this, um, I think the St. Croix River on a canoe trip. She packed us up all these big lunches and we put them on a the canoe. So you go from one point to another point. We get to this bridge. Andre sees a spider, freaks out. Of course, their canoe kit, tips with all the food in it, they grab our canoe, our canoe, our canoe tips. So it, it was just a disaster all the way around. The canoe didn't work out. You know, my mom, my mom would take us fishing at Lake Minnetonka. Right. We'd be on, you know, on the dock because she had friends who had who had properties out there. And they would let us come out there and hang out and stuff and fish off the docks. And somehow, some way, Chaz falls in the water. You know, <laughs> Prince goes to get him. He falls in the water. You know, this this I mean, kid stuff, man. I'm telling you, man. I, I, see, as kids, I'm telling you, young kids, man. I, I think uh, I consider ourselves like a gang and a family. I, I can't I can't live without those kind of memories and stuff because we did a lot of crazy stuff. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta say this one. Okay, it's like uh, a clear. All I remember was a clear afternoon day, like middle afternoon, sun shining out of clouds, the sky. And, and four of us are walking down Plymouth Avenue, and this old dude's like, "Hey, y'all, bad, right?" And I'm like, "Yeah." Say, "Y'all need some equipment, huh?" I'm like, "Yeah." And so they, I'm just taking somewhere, and it takes us like maybe three or four blocks from my house down this alley to the garage that's full of all this equipment, right? All this beautiful. PV equipment, like the PA system, the guitar amp, the bass amp, it's all got that sparkly blue puffy stuff covered in it, right? And it's, it's a big this set. This is a grown Stands man. This is a grown man that came up to man, you guys? Man, look at, look at here, man. I, I, I kid you not. This is true. Making that jazz, Simone, all of any of them, you know, about this one. This, this is true to fact. Anyways, all right, we got to be... We got to be 13 or 14 years old at the most. Because this is before Morris got the band. Morris is about the time Morris got the band. I think he was, I was about 15, 16. So Chaz is still, still here. So anyway, because for me, there's two different stories. There's a Chaz, Chaz Grand Center and there's a Morris Day Grand Center. It's two different bands. So anyways, so this guy, so we're going to the garage. And okay, we're walking down Plymouth Avenue, broad daylight with the sparkly blue equipment huge I'm talking about these are big like I said PA systems guitar bass ass all whole night to my house okay so for three days at least three days my dad's coming to the top of the stairs we're in the basement right? he's flicking the light hey you guys are shaking the pictures off the walls I mean we're killing it you know just just we got sound because even before that happened we called our amp sandwich apps because they were so little no sound you know they were like little cheap like $25 apps whatever, whatever. Anyways, that's all we had but now we had sound. We were, man, they were cranking, Andre and Prince were cranking everything. We're cranking vocals. We were singing our butts off. I happened to look up this particular day at the window well and to the backyard. Now, from the back of my house to the alley, got to be about 200 feet because you got the full yard, then you got a, you know, a driveway, then the alley. But from, from the window well to beyond, all I could see was feet. I'm like, huh? So I go up, the, you know, up the stairs. 
to the back door. And I'm looking out the back door, right? And I see a whole bunch of grown folks. I'm like, okay. Only thing that came out of my mouth, brother Mike, was, Mom! <laughs> and I called my mom. I went back in the basement. I don't know what my mom said. I don't know what transpired. But all the equipment went out the basement, nice and sloth. And here's the thing, man, again, I, 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 as a, an adult person, I thought about it years later, we never heard nothing else about it. My mom just scolded us about where'd y'all get it, or, you know, that was like, that was pretty much like a, a, a felony, <laughs> felony theft. That had been thousand dollars worth of equipment. We had it for three days. And uh, I don't know, man, but I thought about it too. Dude didn't even ask for no money. Right. So that was some, that, you know, I, again, I didn't think, again, this is years after the fact I started thinking about this stuff. I mean, you know, I'm like, oh, what the, but back then it was like, okay, let's go get it. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, I got this home, this homie, his name was Rome, you know, and he was real good at uh, getting cars that really didn't belong to him. And so <laughs> in particular summer, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, some people cars stolen property, stolen a vehicle, but anyway, but back in the, back in the neighborhood, back in the neighborhood, it was a really, a really popular thing with a lot of our, our neighborhood friends and family members like to do that stuff a lot, right? Mm. So, um, so anyways, he, he happened to get, now, mind you, Chaz himself, had, uh, oldest of all, all of us was 14 at the time when this, when this incident happened. Chaz was 14. So he just gives us this, I thought, I, I thought, it was, I thought it was a Ford Fairlane, but he said it was a Chevy Impala. But here's the thing, it was a convertible. And it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. It was like a 64, 65 Chevy Impala. And there was an abandoned garage about three houses down the alley on the queen side of our alley. And this is where we kept this car for three months. Wow. And remember the car so well that I, for my ninth grade graduation of that year, Chaz was driving top down. I'm in the front. Prince and Simone are in the, are in the back. Now, we're going downtown, downtown Hennepin Avenue, Minneapolis, Minnesota, to go to Flag Brothers Shoe Store to get my shoes for graduation from ninth grade. Now, again, nothing ever happened. This is, this is great. Like in the very beginning, again, we had a car for three months, so it was like the beginning of us having this car. So this one particular evening towards the end of this three months of having this car that we were just driving, doing our thing in, Hollywood decides he wants to try to drive the car, right? Okay, okay, man, all right, go ahead. So he gets in it, you know, now he's just as tall as Prince. So he can barely see over the dashboard. So he goes down the alley, down down the alley, hits um, 12th Avenue, and then hits Queen, because in the streets are, are one ways in opposite directions of while he plays with the street is. So he goes down Queen, hits Plymouth to come back to Russell. When he hits Russell, he turns on our block, puts the car right behind him, right? And so he, the way he, he, he acts like he's about to park so the car can like go around him, but the car does not go around him. The car parks behind him. And so Andre, Chaz, Prince, and myself, we're all standing on Bernadette. Well, I'm sorry, Mama Bernadette. That's 1244, Russell. I refer to Andre's mother as Mother Bernadette because she adopted me when I was 18. Anyways, um, uh, uh, we're standing on, on their hill because our house, both our houses are on hills. And we're watching this whole thing transpire. And so Hollywood's just sitting in the car, you know, kind of like peering out, because, again, he's, you can barely see his head because he's so little. And it's, I'm swear, man, this, this lady had to have been about 6'2", with heels. And now, you, know, you remember back in the day, the, the, the rapid fur coats mm-hmm. with all the colors in them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, she had one of those on. But, again, this was a, a rather large lady. No, not, 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 not hefty, but just like 
tall, like Grace Jones, like. Okay. And she jumps up the man, brother. She jumps up the car. When she jumps up the car, man, she got her one of her arms up in the air, and she's holding. It had to have been like a forty-four or a thirty-eight because it was big enough for us to see how big it was. It was big, <laughs> right? Holding the gun in the air, and she says, "M.S. Get the S out of my car." Woo. And we're standing on the hill like, "Woo!" And then, man, hold on, man. She pauses. She looks down in the car and says, "William, William, Daddy, is that you? I know your mama. Get the F out of my car." And we're like, "Ooh!" And Hollywood jumps up out the car, goes straight in the opposite direction. But we're on the we're on the hill like, "Ooh!" Now we didn't had this car for three months, top down, whole nine downtown Minneapolis, son. Wow! You know. And the one time Hollywood decides to take it for a spin, the woman sees her car. It almost blows his brains out. Damn. Yeah, man. Wild. So yeah, we, it was like that. It was like that for us, man. We 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 was a we was a family. We was a gang. We loved each other. We we did a lot of crazy stuff, man. <laughs> but I even thinking about it. We was kids, man. We were kids, right, man. That's right. all I was saying. My only excuse for it. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, now? Yeah, man. Listen, so we y- y- y'all young men and y'all having you know misadventures and doing. But what what was it like with with the ladies? Like what? I know there was. I mean, come on now. We well, man, you know, uh, you know, you know, that's one thing. You know, um, having girlfriends wasn't a real big thing at first for any of us. I mean, we all had girlfriends. You know, um, I I remember one time my mom and dad were out of town or out something, and in my house at twelve and eight, we had a fireplace. You know, working fireplace and everything. So it was the era of of um, Roberta Flack and Donnie Hathaway. Where's the love? Mm-hmm. That was just out and it was big. And it was these two girls from my, from my junior high school, from Jefferson Junior High School, um, Dawn and Lisa. Beautiful. One, one was Puerto Rican and one was mixed. Oh, my goodness. Beautiful girls. And so me and Andre are going to try to do the, you know, the, the super fly, you know, say, I don't know who it is, but we try to be cool. We had the fireplace going. Now, here's the thing. My mom and dad had a full bar in the basement, stocked. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We'll, we'll get to one of them stories, too. But, yeah, we had this time. So me and Andre, we got a bottle of wine. Not, we were like eighth grade, bro. We were like eighth, eighth no, it couldn't have been no eighth or ninth grade. It was somewhere around there. So we got the fire blaze, and the girls come over. We're kicking back. Where's the love playing? Donnie Hathaway, but Brett's playing and stuff. We split up. The next thing I know, Audrey's knocking on my door, talking about, man, um, they got to go. I'm like, huh? <laughs> right. Like, it could have been, been no more than like maybe the second song of the album, right? <laughs> you know, they got to go. And so, anyways, like, I guess, you know, in junior high school, there's a lot of new things that happen with young women that they don't, they ain't even wear sometimes, and, and that happened in his <laughs> the track. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> back, back it up because I'm on a slow bus. What, what's going on there? Well, you know, we, we know once we were trying to get you know friendly with the young girls and stuff, the young girl found out that you know something was going on with her body oh, that she wasn't yeah, aware of. Yeah, 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 I got you, I got you. Yeah, and they had to leave. Yeah, 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 <laughs> man, yeah. Go. So. Damn, one of them things. Yeah, but you. Well, you know the girl, but the girl thing. No, we, you know, with the girlfriends, our thing was man. It was like a, now that was like a competition, especially by the time Morris got. When Morris got in the band, things changed. We're a little older. By the time, by the time, with Chad, we were junior high school. With with Morris, we're in we're in high school. So things really changed. We started playing more high schools, and mm. more events and stuff by that time. So, well, it became like. But by the time, and I'm gonna say real quick. By the time we got done with gigs, we try to see who had the most numbers. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm sorry, Mike. Well, no, I want to get into that, but but you you brought up Morris a couple of times, and I I'm curious, like 
that transition from Chaz to Morse, like, what was your take on that? And you know, well, that you was, see, that, see, now that was yeah, that was a funny. Uh, see, again, things happen with Chaz. You know, Chaz was great in the grand. Now, now, I, now, a lot of people will always tout Prince as being a, a, a lead singer of anything, but Prince was never a lead singer at Grand Central. Uh, and, and if anyone was ever a lead singer of that band, I would say it was Chaz. I mean, coming coming out the box, Chaz is a, a lot of vocals behind the drums. He was, you know, a lot like Phil Collins kind of do. Okay. You know, he could play and sing at the same time. Now, that's the difference between uh, Morris and Chaz. Morris Reason had the ability to play and sing. Morris's ability on the drums was just phenomenal, and that's what that's what just brought him right in. The first time me and Prince saw Morris and stuff, it was like, okay, come on, come, bring your drums, let's go. Because it was actually it was between Morris Day and his other drummer when when the whole thing came down where Chaz wasn't going to be uh, in, the, in the in the in the band anymore in the group. It was between Morris Day and the Southside drummer by the name of Keith King. Keith King was a drummer for this band called um, Quiet Storm. No, no, Exotic. No, Quiet Storm, I think, or something like that. I'm not. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I got it wrong. But he was in Southside band. Which funny, which is really funny, is because initially when when Grand Central started, we didn't have no managers. Only manager we had in anything, roadies, was our moms, and it was, a lot of it was my mom because she was the only one who had a station wagon and was willing to take us to to the, to the community centers and the schools because nobody nobody else to do it. We had nobody else until this guy named Frank Jackson came along. We were we used to be an opening a opening band act for the Southside group called I think it was again Quiet Quiet Storm. Oh my God, I don't I don't hate getting the name wrong. Um, but anyways, again we, we were a young group, so these guys were older than us. But they had all the equipment, and there was this manager guy named Frank Jackson. At one particular time, made the decision that he was just going to just deal with Grand Central exclusively and just basically. This dissembled hit the band that he's been managing for years and just gave us all their stuff, all their equipment, mm -hmm. the PA system, bass amp, guitar amp, and became Frank Jackson before before um, uh, Morris Day's mom was our, officially our, our really first manager we really had. But he was so shifty, our mom was like, no, you got to get rid of him. How was he shifty? Because, you know, we, we, because, man, you know, like, say, at, at Glenwood Community Center, right, we play there, $2 a head. We packed that. We packed the place. Two, three hundred people in that place. We walk out of there with, with, with the four or five of us with like fifty dollars to the split. Okay. So our mom's like, "Nah, something ain't right with that." Mm. All right. So that lasted. That I don't know how long that. I can't really truly remember how long that lasted. But he was like our first man. That was when we really first started coming more of a band. A lot of people don't 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 even have this. Don't, Andre doesn't talk about it really because he wanted one who could uh, and more. But we used to actually back up these guys called the Standells, uh, like like the Temptations kind of group or, or Stylistics uh, or uh, huh. uh, Four Tops. Yeah, man, and, and, and they know they, they wore the same kind of outfit suits and stuff, and they did all them, you know, those those songs, and they had their dance routines. And we did, we, we that's how we started playing at the little bars and clubs because they were all, all older than us, and we but we were the backup band. Okay, you said they were called the Standells. The Standells, yep, yep. Okay. This, this brother named Lewis Chapman was one of the singers for sure, but it was like at least four or five of them. And then that's a, that's a, that I mean, I like a lot of people don't talk about them because a lot of it, I mean, back in the seventies, that that was the thing, you know, the, the guys out front because right. one of the first gigs we did at the club uh, with Morris in the band, we played at the club called the Flame Ballroom on, on uh, I think on fifteenth or sixteenth of Nicholas, a dog club. My God, pimps, hookers, <laughs> players, hustlers. The whole nine up in this joint, but we played with this band called um, um, a Sweet Taste of Sin, 
and um, the Philadelphia Story. Philadelphia Story was a, was a, was a, the group out front. Sweet Taste of Sin was the, was the backup band, but they were kind of like Ohio players. Oh my God, they were just bad. But again, we got to play as an opening act or band, whatever, up in this adult club, and that's kind of what ruined my life. But I won't talk about that. There's some other do you see something there that sparks your interest or something like what what how does that well happen? no what, here's the thing man by the time i was 15 years old i was almost as tall as i am now which is six feet and and it took me years years and years after the fact to realize that all those older women who give me the numbers and give me money when i was ah. in high school were pretty much uh using me you know, I was a young man, uh, mm. vibrant, healthy, I guess. That, I don't know. That, but that yeah, cougar, I was, those yeah. cougars. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And again, so yeah, that, yeah. That, and my mom, for instance, my mom would be at Satin Dow, Young Brothers Salon on Plymouth. Still, actually, the barbershop is still there on Plymouth Avenue. And she would come home talking about, um, yeah, they were talking about some woman uh, robbing the cradle, and they were talking about you. Wow. Yeah, so yeah, it used to be a little crazy back in the day, man. Yes, wow. sir. The 70s were roaring times, for sure. The 70s was something oh, else, man. I mean, I remember like one time there was this little park on Plymouth and Penn. I mean, we always used to hang out. There was a little basketball hoop there and everything, hang out, a little hangout spot. I remember one time me and Andre ducked him behind a tree and bullets hitting it, mm. you know? So yeah, matter of fact, one summer, um, they had touted the north side of Minneapolis as Dodge City because everybody was dodging bullets. Wow, it was like that. Okay. It was like that, man. I mean, there was cats right around the corner from us dying on the streets and people getting their heads blown off at the outside. I was close to the police and I was block away and stuff. You know, you can see that stuff from my backyard. Oh, man, that's crazy. Crazy. Now, yeah. now yeah. you know, going back to Morris, though, like, again, I'm just mm -hmm. curious, like, what, what did you, what was the conversation from your perspective with Chaz to be like, yo, man, we about to go. We're moving with this cat now. Like you well, see, no, 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 no. The whole thing, see, I didn't find out about Chad's situation until years and years after the fact. Never knew that, you know, I, I, hope, he, I, hope, I hope he doesn't um, yell on me for this. But see, Chaz, is, Chaz was raised by a single father in the 70s, you know, and uh, he lost his mother when he was real young, like seven or eight or something like that. So his dad raised him and his, his younger sister by himself. And, you know, and so Chaz went through some things. And our moms knew about it. You know, mm. and of course, us as kids, we didn't. And see, Chaz, you know, kept stuff from us and stuff. And again, Chaz shared it with me. And so I'm like, wow, man, I really feel bad. But anyway, so there'll be days, man, we 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 be in, be at in my basement looking at the drum set to rehearse, and Chaz would not be there. But not like one day; it'd be like days on him, like two or three days. I'm like, man, this is not cool. I mean, he wouldn't show up. But I come out, I come and find out years later it's because you know he had, you know, gotcha. his his dad was like. You know, getting it. Yeah. The point is, yeah, it was some issues at home. Okay. And again, he, he didn't want to share with us. So anyways, so so by not knowing that, like I said, all I remember is me and Prince were standing in downtown Minneapolis on 7th and uh, Hennepin next to Schindler's, Schindler's um, um, bookstore, waiting on a bus. Now, the thing about this particular corner was there were two buses. One went south and one went north. And the south side bus was to go see Keith King. Again, Keith King could play drums and sing at the same time. He was phenomenal, 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 singing and playing drums, man. So we're like, okay, Keith King on our option too. So, but at the same time, the bus over north, but came first. So we, we got me and Prince up in the bus, went over north, went, up north, went to Morris's house, his room was upstairs, 
Now, this uh, is how I remember it. Everybody has different memory. I remember it different. Everybody remembers it different. But this is how I remember it. Me and Prince walked up to Moses' room. He had his drum set sitting in the corner with a little record player, you know, behind it, right? And, and kind of like a, not necessarily a close and play, but one of them open old style record players sitting right there. And the thing about, I always remember, remember about Morris was his drum set didn't have any, any, um, sh- um, uh, covers on them. They were like all wood, like he stripped off all the, you know, whatever, if they were blue, red, or white, he, he had taken them all off and they were just all wood. So I'm like, that's okay. That's, that looked pretty cool. So he puts on a record. Now at this particular time, um, a lot of popular mu- music around was for sure. Um, uh, uh, um, uh, the, uh, um, Oka, um, Ooh, uh, Tower of Power. Tower of Power was real popular at the time in the seventies. And Morris just happens to put on this Tower of Power record and puts on, I can't remember if it was squib cakes or uh, what is hip, but all I know is me personally, Prince, and Morris and Andre and William, we all seen Tower of Power three times at least at the Oshawa City Auditorium in Minneapolis. We went to go see him, you know, up front. And the drummer David Garibaldi ain't no joke. And, and uh, God bless him because I heard he was an actor not too long ago. But anyways, anyway, David, I mean, Morris put this on and started hitting them licks by David Garibaldi like it wasn't nothing. Mm. I mean, smooth precision didn't break a sweat. And me and Prince kind of looked like each other and said, uh, mm, uh, can you bring your set over? Like, <laughs> today, tomorrow? Uh, how, how soon? You know, and so it, it happened that, pretty much it happened that quick. Because when Chaz came in the basement and saw Morris's drums, he was heartbroken. Mm. But, it, 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 but it, it was no turning back, you know, after that. And I see our moms, since they knew the situation, they got so mad at us that they actually, um, they kind of like didn't let us rehearse at the house for a while. And we had to go next door mm. and rehearse at a small house for a little bit. But again, it was a matter of, of space though. You know, again, it was just like, you know, Linda still lived there. I think Trisha still lived there. Andre Prince still lived there. You know, I'm Mr. Anderson, Mrs. Anderson, you know. So again, it was a space issue for 1244. And that's why most of rehearsing, that's why I always tell people, in my eyes, 1248 is, is, is the birthplace of the South of Minneapolis. Okay, wow, wow. And um, but, but back, but back. Go ahead. Go, no, you go ahead, man. Well, no, I was just gonna say, you know, so you had uh, what was that one cat you said was the manager of Frank something? Frank Jackson. So, Frank Jackson. So, yeah, after Frank Jackson. Now was it uh, Morris's mom? Does she? Yeah. So, so Morris's mom came in and just took the helm. She she had she had that that mindset, you know, and and God bless her um, and everything, you know, because she really transitioned us into who we all be, have become you know, from, from her perspective. And, um, uh, and, and I bless her for it because again, we end up incorporating ourselves. Uh, did you, you got a chance to see that, that little partial contract I sent yeah, you? Yeah. 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 So yeah, we, we, uh, she, she got us, got us. So we, um, like I said, incorporated ourselves, uh, our, our gig status went way up. We, we really, I reflect on something You know, we auditioned for the Minnesota state fair, I think in around 75 or so. And, and we did the song by new birth called, um, uh, 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 was it Dream Maker? I believe it was Dream Maker. Okay. Uh, yeah. But, but, but anyways, it was a new birth song. And uh, and one thing, and nothing else, even though Morris didn't do like leads of any at all, he could at least still do background. So he he was all a chimed in voice on a, on a harmony. And one thing about Grand Central, I, I, I will, I'm so proud of to this day, because again, it goes by Prince and Standards, our harmonies are off the chain, man. Even Linda, who we used to like, 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 
like twist arm, neck, toe, everything, to get her to sing. Man, when she chimed in on the harmonies, again, it was five, four, three, four, five, six part harmonies. Oh my God, man. And, but my mom, but thing about the Minnesota State Fair is they denied us entry for the, for the, the play. Why do you think they did that? So we never got, well, I, again, I, you got, again, I think it was the time of the times, you know, the seventies, you know, we were all black band and they didn't want us off the state fair. Cause again, it was at the, even at the, at the, at the, at the, the Aquitrinio defense downtown, you know, the, those were separated. Hmm. Wow. Back then. Okay. Yeah. And then, so, you know, with, with, uh, with Morris and the band, I mean, how long does it go until, um, when Prince sort of like, you know, starts to sort of move and doing his own thing and stuff. I mean, how- well, see, again, see, here, here's the thing. Um, we did a gig for the Miss Minnesota, Miss Black Minnesota, mm-hmm. right? And um, there was an incident where they wanted us to wear these little like belly tied Hawaiian islandy looking shirts. And I just didn't like them. So right before we went on stage, I changed my shirt. And everybody got mad at me because they're like, you're trying to be the leader of the band. You know, I make like you're the front out front, blah, blah, blah. They got mad at me. So I wasn't in the band long after that. And then not long after that, Prince wasn't in the band long after that. And when Prince left Prince Central, he actually went down the, down the street, down to uh, Sonny T's band, the family back to black at the way. And, and uh, a lot of people don't know that he was actually in, in Sonny T's band for a while after Grand Central, and that's where he, took, where he took his very first road trip from, because they went down like the Arizona or something and did a gig down there. Oh, really? But yeah, Prince, you know, Prince hung out with yeah, hung out with Sonny T way, way before Sonny T was in his band. Okay, wow, I didn't know he was in the, the band actually. Was that now was that the family? Is that what they were called? Yeah, family, yeah, again, again, there was the, the, the band. The band had Sonny T's band had two names. They they were the original family, and then the first name before the family was called Back to Black. Okay. You know, because, you know, they were revolu- revolutionary. That was the way community center, you know what I'm saying? They were representing. Man, man. So. Yeah, but again, they were, they were a phenomenal band, though. See, we as Grand Central, me, Chaz, Andre, and Prince, we'll go all the way down to the way and watch them rehearse. See, a lot of people don't understand that Prince learned a lot of his his skills from Sonny Thompson, Sonny T, mm-hmm. coming up. Because Sonny's older than all of us. Wow, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, I hear. People, you know, I've heard Prince or people talk about, you know, Prince would talk about Sonny, you know, uh, uh-huh. like, yeah, that, that's the, yeah. the guy. Well, see, that, see, originally Sonny, originally Sonny was supposed to have been in a revolution after Andre Simone before uh, Mark Brown, Brown Mark. But, you know, it didn't work out. But it, it, here's the thing. Sonny had been hired by James Brown's band way before all this, all this stuff transpired. And he was out in Tennessee or whatever doing his thing and stuff with, with, with James Brown's band and the band went out without telling James and recorded some stuff. And of course, Sonny was with the band. And when James found out that they did that, he fired everybody, including Sonny. And so Sonny was in James Bond band for like two weeks. Wow, I didn't know that. That's cool. I know, a lot of people don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from the hood, man. That, that's my family. <laughs> I feel, I feel you. Wow, okay, okay. And then, so like, um, you, you mentioned the incident with the Hawaiian shirts and stuff, and you said you wasn't in the band shortly after that. Like, what was that like for you not to be? Were y'all still? So I'm, I'm trying to understand. Like, y'all used to hang hung out and stuff, and was boys. Like, well, we're not, we're, I mean, we were neighbors, man. I mean, I, you can't help but see him every day, right. even after that. You know, I, I see. But my whole thing is, to this day, at sixty, I still play. 
You know, I, I mean, I played I played with Jelly Bean last year in Minnesota at the Minnesota Music Cafe. I still play percussion, but I, I, I never stopped playing. Okay. And I, I got to a lot of people, man. Sheila E's job is really my job. You know, that that's how that I, I really think she got that job because, you know, I, I wanted to be the baddest percussion player, Timbali player on the planet. You know, that was my thing, you know. Hmm. And I used uh, to drive Prince crazy with my playing. Because I wanted to be the best. When you hear, there's certain songs that I, I jump out at me now that you say that, like um, the song Cool, right, from the time. And it's uh-huh. got all that right. percussion stuff in that. Is that would that have been some type of things? No, 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 okay. no. I, I'd say more uh, anything that that Prince produced with Sheila E. That that would be more along our lives. Okay. See, okay. our band. I see. Say like Hollywood played uh, kungas. I played timbales and kungas. Linda played keys. Um, okay, Morris on drums, Andre on bass, and Prince on guitar. That was our whole setup. Our whole thing was we had no horns. Every other band, Flight Time with Terry Lewis, they had five, six horns. Mm-hmm. Um, Family Back to Black, they they had about two or three horns. Our horn player was Linda Renee Anderson. Okay. Every time we did any Tower of Power song, any uh, uh, Chicago, uh, Ohio players, our horn section, the, the whole, Prince's whole concept that he uh, promoted with his Oberheim system when he first came out, you know, that was all derived with Linda. Linda, they, they both came up that that whole. This is how we do the horns and stuff on the key. That, that Linda was a big part of that. Interesting, interesting. What um, what did you uh, think of the success? Even the first album. I don't know if you were still in contact with Prince or Andre and them, but you know, what was your observation of like when the you know first album dropped? For you, talking about the for, for you for uh, out of out of South Well, well, here's the thing. When Prince, when, first, when when him and Andre went to Salcedo and, and produced that album, and Prince first came back, um, there was a drum set up in, in, at 1244 Russell. And Prince and I, he came down and put his guitar on and started playing, and I got on the drums. We must have played for about three hours, and we talked for a while. And I took I took a, the single, um, Soft and Wet, to the radio station with him, and... Um, yeah, it, it it was it was an interesting situation. But then he came up with this whole thing where um, he wanted an all girls band. He didn't want you know nobody from Grand Central. He wanted to have all these girls back him up when he got back. And I'm like, okay, so that's when he uh, the girl Sue Ann Carwell. I don't know if you're aware of the name Sue Ann yeah, Carwell from yeah. St. Paul. Mm-hmm. She's she's done a whole lot of stuff. If you Google her, man, she's incredible. Matter of fact, the the movie um uh um the wedding planet with um with uh Jennifer uh Jenna, what's her name uh. Uh, J-Lo Jennifer Lopez um, The Wedding Planner yeah actually Sue Ann Carwell wrote that song and is uh, even turning on that's her singing oh wow okay wow Right, right. Yeah, anyway, that's that's hometown, baby. I'm telling you, that's hometown. I love them. Now she anyway, did a lot of uh, stuff with Jesse so anyway, too, so, right? She did a lot of stuff with Jesse Johnson. Yeah, she did all, but yeah, she did. Yeah, but but here's the thing, though. So boom, so when Prince came to the concept, you want to have all girls band, which which really funny is because Third Eye Blind was his, it was a total dream, because again, when he came back to Sausalito, that again that was a total idea. I want all I want girls to back me up. So anyways, that was way back in what, 77, 78, whatever. But here's the thing. So Sue Ann, when it comes to Sue Ann Carwell, he wanted her to be his. That's how she ended up getting her deal because Prince found her as a singer, but he wanted her to be his percussionist in his band, which never happened. So when they ended up hearing her, when Owen Husney and them and, and uh, Cliff Siegel heard her, that's how she ended up getting her deal. You know? Okay. But anyways, that's that story. But So all that didn't work out. And, 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 and then, as you know, um, Gail Chapman and, 
and Dez Dickerson and Matt and all them end up being in the band and stuff and uh, Bobby Z and Andre. So, and, and, but see, I, but I tell a lot of people, I, I matter of fact, I, I, I just think it's a true thing. The reason why I really feel Andre was in the band was because Prince couldn't find anybody else to play the part. Because again, he was he was adamant about not having any of us in this group. Why, why do you think that was, in your opinion? Well, okay, from what I remember, when he had his house on 50th and France, the Blue House, because was I really I, that house was cool because he had, somehow he had got a hold of um, Patricia. Patrice Russian star, he, he had did something or was around it somewhere, but he had took his star off the door and brought it home. And so he had it on his door on, on 50th of France. And so, but anyways, um, we're standing outside and because here's the thing in my basement at 1248, we made a pact, you know, you know, cause we, we never knew we were kids. We were like, okay, you know, if any of us make it first, we'll come back and get the other, you know, we'll come back and get everybody. So that was a pact we made as, you know, as kids. So I threw that at him at um, 50th and Francis. said, man, don't you remember that pack we made, you know, when we were a kid? And he said to me, well, you know, my management said that it's not a good idea to have friends and family in the organization. And I'm like, kind of like, huh? And, and he said, as, 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 anyways, you know, we were kids there. And I'm like, oh, okay. And just left it at that. But yeah, yeah, I did, I brought it up in that. In the end. But for me, it, it was, it was a product of his management not wanting to, really have, you know, his friend, you know, like I said, you know, have somebody, the, well, the way I look at it is like divide and conquer from the management's point of view. You know, anybody close to him would have, would have like probably been in their way to have them get the deals made they wanted. Mm. But here's the thing, a lot, a lot of people don't know this though, but my father being the attorney that he was, my father being the attorney that he was, Leroy Warner Jackson, he actually helped, he actually took Princess Larry for his contract and restructured it. I don't know what to, to what extent, but I know my father went through it, penciled it out, put stuff back in, took stuff out for friends. And then at the same time with Suan Carwell, she was 17 when she signed with her label and stuff. And um, they tried to have all kinds of dumb stipulations. And my dad restructured that contract. When I, I actually, as people don't know, when Jesse Johnson got his first record deal, I was actually in his very first band. Uh, um, but that didn't work out because of issues, whatever. But point is, my dad restructured Jesse Johnson's contract too with A and M Records. Really? Now, uh, just to go back, you said your dad was working on Prince's first contract to who? Who was this contract to? With the one, the one with Warner Brothers. Warner my, Brothers. my dad went through that for him. Yeah, wow. the very first one with Warner Brothers. Yeah. Okay. But that's that's what I'm saying. Like like that's that's why I sent you that contract we had with Grand Central because my dad actually helped draft that. Wow, okay. And what's your dad's name? I'm sorry. Leroy Warner Jackson. Leroy Warner Jackson. All right. And you say he was one of the Warner, first yeah. one of the first uh black city prosecutors in Minneapolis. Prosecutors. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing, man. Okay. I love the fact that your dad yeah. stepped up and was like, Let me look over, you know, these kids' paperwork, make sure Right, they, right. Yeah. yeah. And so so that, that see a lot, lot like again, see again, my my um my um uh, relationship with Prince again didn't get into his success and 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 the way a lot of people know him as of today. But knowing him, you know, to him developing to the person he was, you know, uh, I really feel a lot of influences. I really Prince had a lot of my dad in him. <laughs> really, in what way? You know, yeah. Well, you know, my 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 dad was um, he, he was very um, secretive. And he did a lot for a lot of people because I, I didn't find out until after my father's passing that he did a lot for my for my relatives and friends. 
You know, they go, your dad did this for me. He helped me with college. He did this. I'm like, oh, he did? Oh, okay. All right. And then, and then of course, you know, find out that Prince does a lot of stuff undercover for people, mm-hmm. helping people out. Things like, that. Same, things like that. But at the same time, certain attitudes, you know, certain attitudes that you pick up on. Because, again, again, people, again, a lot of people always say 1244, Russell, Bonnie Simone, and, and, and Mrs. Anderson. But, again, you got to figure with six kids plus Prince that's seven kids. A lot of times there wasn't a whole lot to eat for the people on the low on the bottom end of the totem pole. So again, they spent a lot of time at my house. Plus again, I had I had twin beds at my house, I had a lot of space in my house. Prince spent a lot of time at my home. Interesting. Did you ever uh ever meet or see Prince's dad? Did he ever come around? Oh my goodness. I which one? Uh, the stepdad, uh Mr. Baker or, or the real dad John? Uh well start with John. Yeah, yeah. Again, sir. Um, yeah, our parents were, 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 were again. We were, we were growing up. We were always blocks away from each other. Growing up, okay, that was the first thing. Again, our mom knew each other as teenagers. So, yeah, I, I, we always intermingled family wise in that in that aspect. At the same time, too, I got to tell you a story about Mr. Nelson, Mr. John Nelson. All right, there's these two little brothers, you know, that like to like take stuff that ain't there. So uh, on, on the 55 on the 55 highway strip, there's this big medium between, you know, the, the, the main streets and stuff off the highway. So Mr. Nelson apparently was coming home one evening, and these two cats, 13, 14, 15 at the most, think they caught themselves robbing Prince's dad, right? Mm. And so they say, okay, man, they're like, hey, give, give us your money. And Mr. Nelson's like, oh, well, I ain't got no money in me, but I'll write you a check. They're like, oh, okay. <laughs> and he's like, well, how much you want, you know? And so they tell him. And at the time, there was a Plymouth Avenue bank on Plymouth. And so he wrote him all the check. No, I mean, of course, the knuckleheads go to the bank the next day and get arrested. Wow. But I got to say this one, man. I, just real quick. We got a little time, Mike. Oh, still? we're good. Real quick. Yeah. Okay. So, so, yeah. So, one time, me and, me and Simone, man, me and Andre, this is the 4th of July, right? Uh, it was 4th of July. We go all the way out from Minneapolis to the suburb to see one of his girlfriends. And she ain't there. We come all the way back. When we get off the bus on Plymouth and Russell, we see these two dudes going down this side alley carrying stuff. So we're like, what the heck? Oh, okay. And so they come back. We're like, what y'all doing? They said, we, we're getting this house right here. Like, oh, okay, where? And then they, they chose the house. So me and Andre go, okay, we, we go with them. <laughs> All right, the front door is open. The back door is open. They didn't ransack the whole bottom, the whole bottom of the house. They said, oh, we're going upstairs. Y'all go get what you can. So me and Andre rummaging through stuff. I look out the front door. The police just pulled up and opened up their door, right? Mm. I'm like, yo, police. Me and Andre hit the back door. Boom. <laughs> I hit the fence. I, scout, I, I just jumped the fence. Boom. Andre can't make the fence, but he can make it. He's, he's kind of thin. So he goes between the, the fence and the garage. I don't know how he did it, but he did. He's thin. So he made it through. We, we Boom. We about two blocks away by the time we get done. We come all the way back around, circle around, and we get back. There's a whole crowd of people right mm. around these two boys handcuffs so they in handcuffs so that's over and done with but this is just a big inning so we end up by the time evening's coming me and dre run to my cousin we go get some bread some lunch meat and some cheese from a little local store but we ain't got no money and we go to the the park that's having fireworks and so i got fireworks and one of my knucklehead friends he's taking them and throwing them at people in the crowd please come and stop <laughs> us take my fireworks me and andre end up Missing my cousin, because it's on the south side now, we end up walking all the way home. So, unbeknownst to me, Andre goes over to his sister Sylvia's house to babysit for her. This is the next day. I'm staying 
over at Andre's house at 1244 Russell. I hear somebody knocking on the side door. I get up, I'm sleepy, I look out the side door, I see two white men standing in suits and stuff, they're mm-hmm. standing there, and they got like a pad in their hand, and they're like, well, is Andre, Andre Anderson here? I'm like, no. And, but I, I can see my name on the pad. I say, but Terry Jackson is there. Oh, can you step outside? And I'm like, oh, okay. As soon as I step outside, Mike, man, they got me up against the wall, patting me down. All I'm thinking is my mom's going to go out the window, see this happening. And they handcuffed me, put me in the car. Lucky my mom didn't see it happening, but I'm in the car. They're telling me, yeah, y'all robbed the house yesterday, right? I'm like, huh? <laughs> yeah, these, these, we, we got these two guys that said that you guys came in the house and took everything. Where'd you put it? I'm like, huh? Wow. It's a, apparently these two dudes, man, put everything on me and Andre. Snitch. So Andre is about two blocks down at the sister's house, babysitting. So they go down there to talk to Andre. So since I'm, I have this thing called dyslexia, which I didn't find out until I was older, but I have the ability to read stuff backwards. So by this whole paperwork being on the front seat and, and sitting there, but it was upside down, I read the whole thing. I'm like, these, mm, mm, these, they, I mean, they put every, I mean, every, Dre did this, Terry did that. And luckily, whatever Andre said to him was cool because they drove me back to 1248, unhandcuffed me and let me go. Ooh, you got lucky. <laughs> yeah, you know I'm saying, brother. But, but what's really funny is Andre, Andre, Andre AC actually wrote some kind of script or story about that whole incident he called it getting high on the 4th of July. Yeah, I don't know if it ever flew or not, but yeah, but yeah, he remembers it well too. That that was a crazy day. <laughs> Y'all ran up on a lick, <laughs> ran up in the man. House. Okay, okay. I mean, that's that, that's who again. That's who we were as kids. Okay, and again, my my dad, my dad, my dad was the captain of the Minnesota Police basketball team for ten years. Okay, mm-hmm. and we are, and we just straight up, you know, north side basically. <laughs> We didn't care. Terrence, you had to. You had parents at home. Y'all acting a fool. <laughs> hey, man, hello? hello. But see, I grew up in the era. I grew up in the era where people's moms could, could whoop your butt in public. They, right. if they, if they knew your mom. They could snatch you. You can't. They can't do that no more. Now the, these kids will cuss you out. Talking about, yeah, I wish you would call my mama kind of thing. But back then, all people's moms could. Mess. Like I said, my mom had no issue with snatching up Prince Andre, Chaz, none of them. You know, <laughs> y'all was wild, man. But yeah, 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 yeah. It was, it was, it was, yes, yes, sir. Okay. Yes, sir. It was then, different times. It was uh, and you had mentioned, uh, and, I, and let me correct myself. I'm out here. I, I said John earlier, like, like I don't have any manners, Mister Nelson. Uh, and now Mister Baker, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, uh, did, did, you, mm-hmm. did you see him? What was some of your interactions? Well, with? see, that's that's the reason why that's why Prince of Emancipation came to, to fruition because he was a lot more stricter. And like I said, going to Prince's house on Ace, like I don't remember anybody ever. Even Chaz very rarely ever. He, Prince couldn't have nobody come over his house hmm. over there. You can you can have friends hang out. The house was like super super clean, and you know you couldn't touch nothing, and you know. Go out in the yard and play, but up at his, where he lived, that wasn't, wasn't really nobody else to hang out with and stuff. So, you know, it wasn't no fun at all. So, I think that's really what, what, what drove him. And then his dad, you know, his, you know, his dad, his, 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 um, his birth father, um, Mr. Nelson. You know, he, you know, he, he was so much into his own thing that you know he had no time for friends. You know, so hmm. you know, again, princes. You know, again, you know. In his own right, and the prince was ahead of his time as well. But you know, a lot of people don't understand how can his parents, how can his mom let him go, let him go. But that again, she knew where he was. She knew Bernadette, and she knew my mother. She knew he was safe. Mm. 
She knew he was safe where he was. It was not that she didn't care. You know, that 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 was never the issue. I mean, his mother, Maddie Della, man, she was a beautiful lady all the way around, man. She ain't no way she did not care for her son and just let him go like that. She knew where he was. She trusted my mother with her son, and she trusted Bernadette with her son. Yeah, and no, I can't, you know, I, and not for me to speak on it, but I can just, you know, listening to you guys and you talk about your mothers and the roles that they played uh, in the lives of you guys and, you know, really stepping up, you, you know, I have to commend that y'all had that sort of community that y'all could do that. Y'all lived all sort of next door to each other and, you know, sound like all of the women knew each other and, you know, it was a bond yeah, there. Yeah, it was amazing. Like, it was, it was amazing. Kids. I get it. it Right. Well, you know, again, seventies were hard times for in a lot of ways, but again, for community sense and value and community leaders and all that kind of stuff with togetherness, it, it's just not even close to being the same. And that that's that again, I, I feel sad for the way things are happening now for our communities and stuff. But yeah, man, we came up with again good upbringing, man. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, uh, Bernadette. My mom died when I was eighteen. My, my, my mother died when I was eighteen. Um, Miss Bernadette, Mother Bernadette, she took me in. She she said, "I'm your mother now." Wow. Uh, and, and then what's really I, well, I'll tell you, I I, I, I got to share the story with you, man. Mm-hmm. She at uh, the 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 um the nurse the, the funeral home was on on on, on Plymouth and Humboldt. Before I walked in the door, she she grabbed me, pulled me to the side, she, she told me, "I'm your mother now." And I was 18. Mm-hmm. 20 years later, my ex-wife hurt me really bad. I ended up um uh, flatlining twice. When I opened up my eyes in the ER, I didn't see no nurses, no doctors. I saw Mother Bernadette, the mm-hmm. first person I saw mm-hmm. when I came back to life. And she kept her promises, my mother. So, uh, you know, no matter what anybody says on this planet, she brought me into the fold, and and, uh, and I'm her son, no matter what anybody says. Just like she took Prince in, you know? Wow, that's a blessing. So I consider Prince like my adopted brother, no matter what. Okay. You know? Wow, that's that's amazing, man. Ooh, so, yeah. you know, with that said, um, well, one, I wanted to ask you this, just to, to, to go back to Prince again, but um, uh, what what was our cool. last conversation? You remember, like, the last time you ever spoke to Prince? Well, you know what? That's, uh, you know, he had his way of doing things and saying things to people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, like... <laughs> I don't know, man. You know, um, like I said, uh, let me see. I got two instances. I got I got two instances I'll share with you. Okay, and let me that, say, that let me let me throw that, and let me say this because I kind of hear you know some of the hesitation in you, and I can respect that. But you know, we all realize, at least I hope we do. People change and grow and and get into different things right. as they become different right. people. And obviously, you know, Prince is in a position where he becomes this, you know, superstar and stuff. So I, I wouldn't, you know, right, I right, can understand right. how it's not going to be the same guy that necessarily y'all right. was as kids. So we kind of understand that. So you're not going to. Yeah. So, you know yeah, so, I mean? so, so, so that's, so that's that question throughout the years. We really didn't have any up close and personal really sure. conversations, but here's the thing. I really, really, you know, not because he's a, a superstar, but because man, that's my boy and shit, man. It's Holly, man. What's right. up, man? You know, Never got the opportunity truly, but at the rap party at First Avenue, I'm dancing with Apollonia, right? We're just, just boom, dancing and and kicking it up. And Prince makes his way all the way through the crowd on the, on the main dance floor, grabs Apollonia and looks at me and says, you think you can play Tim Bollies? Well, check this out. 
and almost on cue, glamorous life comes over the speakers. It was it was kind of <laughs> a really crazy moment, right? But Ali, Ali, one, one thing about that is that years before, um, before he even um, had the group, um, the revolution that developed, um, he was rehearsing at this place. Now that that's a, a hotel in, in, in um, Seven Corners down in Minneapolis. But anyways, definitely rehearsing and, and auditioning people before the, before the revolution. And and I was playing Kungus for maybe two or three weeks, you know, during the auditions. And one day I decided I'm gonna bring my timbales out. And so I was bringing them in to the, to the rehearsal spot. They had been about 20 or 30 people just hanging out, just to be hanging out. And I'm setting them up, and he walks all the way up to me and says, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm setting up my timbales. He says, man, timbales will never be a part of R&B. You know, get them out of here. And somebody who knew, knew us both very well kind of saw my frustration and kind of got me out of there pretty quick. But that, that, that kind of the transition from that moment to throwing that CLE thing on me kind of like was one of the moments. And then... At the same time, when I leave town and I leave Minneapolis, I leave and go city. I say I'm from Minneapolis. Oh, do you know Prince? I'm like, oh, do I ever? So, p- people have been telling me for at least 20 years. Oh, you should write a book because I tell them these stories. You write a book, write a book. So back in the day, I, I approached Andre Simone. You mind if I write a book? He said, man, go ahead. I approached Morris Day. You mind if I write a book? He said, no, go ahead. So one evening at First Avenue, at the back at the back bar on the main floor, he's standing there with his at the time Gilbert who was his bodyguard who kind of like got the club from him and stuff. But anyway, the point is I walked up to him. So I'm like, yo man, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about writing this book about us. And he just stood there and he looked at me and he was like, um, man, I don't think that's a good idea. And I'm like, huh? He said, you know, you should write something like, you know, stand by me or, or, you know, um, um, the Loxy blues or something. As a matter of fact, how would you like it if I wrote a book about your mama? And, I'm like, Whoa. okay. At the time, I was with this girl, this girl from the hood, with me, and she kind of like just snatched me away, right? And because I guess it's kind of, I really didn't hear him say that. So she bought me like a triple, quadruple shot, and I hit it, and I'm like, wait a minute. And I thought about it. What did you just say? <laughs> and so I went to the whole club trying to see if I could see him again, but apparently Gilbert got him up out of there. But yeah, man, them, them kind of instances that we, I went through with him, like I, I knew that it, it wasn't really. You know, I, I guess he was like trying to test me and see where I was, but you know, I'm Terry Jackson. I'm, I ain't, I ain't like that. Wow. I don't know. He's talking reckless. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, yeah, that's how you refer to every little reckless. Yeah, at the time, it was a little reckless. Yes, sir. Because you can't figure if Gilbert was his bodyguard still, that was a few years ago. Right, right. He said, How about I write a yeah. book about He said, Now, nah, let me just make sure. You said, How about if I wrote a book about your mom? How 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 would you like it if I wrote a book about your mama, out his mouth? That came out his mouth. Prince, wow. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, the anyway, point is I'm writing a book now, and it, but here's the thing, though, Mike. In 2015, September 2015, he had a record release party at Paisley Park. Man, they were like, now he invited me to Paisley Park years and years ago. Never went out there, so I thought I'm let me go on out here because I gotta let him know. If I came, my I'm gonna I'm write this book. I'm gonna go ahead. I'm gonna do it. No matter what he says, so I'm going to Paisley. Boom. He's still, you know, he's out there, record release. Man, all these people from all over the world, man, people even bringing their babies in the Paisley Park, right? I'm like, uh. Anyways, I go through the whole facility. I'm writing a book. I let Kirk Johnson know, his sister know, anybody I could know. So I know for a fact he knew I'm writing this, I was writing this book. As a matter of fact, to the point where I'm downtown Minneapolis about two weeks later, and Bobby Z. Is downtown with his wife, and he house across the street. I I hear you writing a book about Prince. And I'm like, nah, man, I'm writing a book about us, because basically my book is not just about Prince and Grand Central. I'm writing about 
um, um, Terry Lewis's band, Flight Time, because they, they got a whole story. Sonny T's band, mm. Back to Black and Family. And my working title right now is the story, of Son- the story of the South of Minneapolis Battle of the Band. Because okay. so much went on, not just with our band, Grand Central, but them guys, Sonny T's band, them guys was knuckleheads in their own right. Um, <laughs> David Allen's band, if, if you think about the Cosby kids, that that was his band with, with, with Terry Lewis's band. You know, they, I mean, they they got a whole story too. So I'm trying to combine the whole the whole notion of that whole era. But I'm only covering from the, I'm only doing the formative years. Anything after he became a symbol and who he is, like people know, not, I'm not doing any of that. I'm only writing from like 1970 to 1976, from junior high to high school. During, like I said, when all that stuff was really going on, we were really doing having our fun as kids. Okay, yeah, not. I mean, we don't know much about that time, so that would be an excellent you know thing to, to cover a subject. And I love to hear about you know Terry Lewis's band and all that kind of stuff. That's that's amazing. Yeah, and see again, again, my thing is a lot of people are coming out with books and stuff now, which is fine and stuff. But again, my thing is I know that Prince knew before he passed that I was going to do this book. Mm. I you know so so that that's what leads me in my mind about the whole. Why are you writing a book? Because trying to make no. Even before he was gone, I was going to do this, you know. So yeah, so I'm I'm very confident and and, and feel very good about this, this this project. All right, wow. Now, in, in terms of music, uh, are you still doing any music stuff or? Oh yeah, man. Again, I I I I played just last year at the Minnesota Music Cafe with Jelly Bean and oh. and this a band called JB and a routine and stuff. You know, I, I still play. I mean, I, I did a little thing this year. Uh, a little um, uh, in Minneapolis during the um, the Prince celebration in April and stuff. I played at this uh, event for the homeless and stuff. So yeah, I, I still play, man. And, and uh, yeah, man. I, you know, I, I so my whole thing is, man. I'm a musician. I love music. Uh, see, a lot of a lot of our brothers who are so talented, man. A lot of them got more more talent than thumb. I got my whole body, man. They they fallen by the wayside, which is a sad thing, because a lot of people in my neighborhood, uh, we got a lot of uh, Prince. Is, yes, he's a multiple, multiple musician, uh, multi-artist, and all that kind of stuff. But I'm telling you, man, we had a lot of cats that we had to learn from, that we looked up to. Mm-hmm. Again, for us, um, our music became our sport. Because, like I said, a lot of people you know, were athletic, but we, we, we competed. We would go see other people. Go, we would go watch them um, and, and study them and go back home and woodshed for hours and stuff to be the best. And, and again, it's shown in Prince's work. Well, and and uh, just to shout out everybody that was a part of the group back then, because uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, I want to make sure we give them their names proper. You said Hollywood. Oh, for sure, for sure, for for sure, for sure. Okay, we'll start out. We'll start out with with the first. Well, Chaz, um, Charles Chaz Smith, Andre Simone, and Prince, and then myself, Terry Jackson, and then we got Linda Renee Anderson in the band, and then we got William Hollywood Dolly in the band, and then we transitioned from Chaz as a drummer to Morris Day as a drummer in the band of Grand Central. There's always, always six players, but we went up against 15-member bands and we killed them. Mm. Wow. And, you know, again, man, I think we're nothing without our parents. You know, we want to make sure that we give the proper respects to to the fathers and the mothers. Oh, yes. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll give the parents, all the parents' names. Um, for Prince, for Prince Rogers Nelson... It was uh, Matty Della Baker, uh, then it was John Nelson, and then for um, um, uh, Charles Arthur Smith, it was his father, Charles Sr., and, um, and then for Audrey Simone, it was uh, Fred Anderson and Bernadette Anderson. For myself, mm. oh no, first I'll go William Dowdy. William Dowdy was Jeanette Dowdy and, and Fred Dowdy, uh, and for me, it was Leroy Jackson and Glenda Jackson. Okay, okay. And now, did you have any brothers and sisters? Man, I was the only child. That's why, okay. man, Prince wanted to live with me so bad. 
Yeah, yeah, man. That's why I wanted brother so bad. That's why I like gotcha. you. To me, he was my little brother. I mean, I always wanted a brother. Come on, man. Come on over here. Gotcha, gotcha. Oh, we, and we didn't really mention her. Uh, was uh, did you know Tyka very well back then? Well, man, look, I'll tell you like this, man. I used to, I used to hold Tyka's hand going to school. Oh. Like that. That's how far back. I, I always loved Tiger. Tiger's a beautiful woman. I was there when she got her her, her deal with, with Jeff Pink and all that stuff, man. And, and you know, um, as a matter of fact, I kind of remember in junior high school her having TJ on her fingernails, but I, I, I never say nothing about it, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what the, let me ask you this. Now, with with everything as it is stands now, you know, I'm, you know, with the family, uh, Prince's family, you know, sort of inheriting different things, um, and you know, sometimes you'll see a lot of in the fan base. Uh, you know, some sometimes you know uh, disrespectful type of stuff said about the family mm-hmm. or, or type. I try to stay stuff. away from. I try to stay away. I try. I mean, I have to do my, I try to stay away from all that. Okay. It, it's too much for me. I'm too close. You kind of, you kind of getting away from the phone or something. I can't really hear you. Yeah, well, yeah, well, like, like when Prince passed, man, I, I left town for a few weeks, even, man, because okay. you know, just new stations are coming at me and all kind of stuff, man. I, I didn't want to get. I, I really, man, this is like the second interview I've done since his passing. The first one was another podcast, and by the way, this, this young lady by the name of Peace Love recommended me that, that it was imperative I speak with you anyway. So okay, and shout, shout out, out uh, yeah, you were on uh, Prince's friend. Shout out to to Elon. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's uh, my my boy. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, sorry, man, I can't remember your name. Either. But yeah, good people. Thank you. That, that was yeah. That was that was that was a good one, man. That was again. That was, that was the first one I, I've ever done. You know, regarding 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 all this. Okay. So I appreciate this opportunity with you too, man. Because again, I, I mean, uh, for some reason, it was really crazy. It's like Prince never talked about that part of his life, and and it's mm-hmm. kind of funny because I, I heard him all talking about using the band, uh, twelve people, but only two played, kind of stuff like that. I'm like, well, what, what band was you in, dude? And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> but anyways, but yeah, man. So I don't I don't know. You know, um. I'm just glad that that um that he is who he is, who he became. Um, I really feel, matter of fact, Andy Simone's older brother Eddie once said that Prince was like all of us. You know, um, the instrumentation, the voices, like that. That was pretty much. So every time I I wear the symbol around my neck, I, because I I feel that I'm a part of Prince and this music too. That's what's up, man. Okay, I love it. Um. Listen, man, I thank you so much for coming on here and sharing uh, these stories. A lot of this stuff we don't know about. And, you know, we always hear about the the fame and the, the success and stuff. But we don't ever get to really hear about those early times. You know what I'm saying? I think one of the biggest things for me to draw on is, you know, so your parents and sort of like one, they offered you guys space to sort of be in a safe place that was still being watched, but allowed you guys to sort of be who you are. But then they also offered that correction when needed. And that y'all was, you know, uh, the camaraderie between, you know, you brothers, man. I think that's an important right. thing to, 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 to understand that helps sort of see where, not just where Prince went, but where all of you guys sort of go, man. And, right. And without hey, my, going my, too my, deep my, into say, let me just finish. Without going too deep into say, I'm I would sorry. say, and that's what, you know, now hearing some of these stories and talking to you and Andre and Chaz and things, I really want to see that somehow, man, because I'm an outsider, I can look at it and say, man, 
y'all went through so much and of course you know lives change but i always mm-hmm. think you still right. bro- y'all still brothers i don't care whatever is going on right this and the third, right. you know saying at the end of the day you still got to be able to come back and be like yeah i respect where we came from and this is what we learned because i feel like as men and as i sound like i think we're all fathers everybody that i'm talking about is fathers you know that same sort of space that our parents sort of you know, an environment that was created is the same environment mm-hmm. that y'all are creating for your own kids and things. And I would imagine like, you know, if, if, if respectfully so, you yeah. would want to be like, well, where did my dad come from? Who did my dad used to hang with? And, and let me understand this. Right. You know what I mean? So, um, so I say, all to say is even me, I can listen to this and I'm learning, you know, I learn, I'm like, okay, let me <laughs> cool, see, Mike. I see how that got down. I see this and that. And how maybe I can apply some of them, those knowledge, to, to my situation, you know what I'm saying? Some of the things to do and some of the things not to do. Right. You know what I'm saying? But Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Ahead. Like, well, you know, again, I'm, I'm 60, man, and I'm still learning. I, you know, it's, it's, it's still, you know, I'm still picking stuff up, still learning stuff. It's, it's a beautiful thing, you know, to, you know, to be able to breathe and, and, and expand, you know? Yes. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. That's what's up. But but I was going to say real quick, I don't know how I'm, uh, I know where I'm no, go ahead. time, but I just want to okay. leave you one, one, more, one more quick story, man, that came to my mind I just want to throw at you, man. Okay. Okay. All right, real quick. All right, this is when Morris was in the band. This band was our manager, right? <laughs> so we're in the basement, and, you know, we, we did a lot of dance routines. Like, our rivals were the, were the Jacksons. For some reason, which is really funny, Kyle Prince and Mike became rivals in colleges. It's really funny because our thing was back in those days in the 70s, the Jacksons even had a cartoon out. But yeah. their thing was, too, they could play basketball. So as Grand Central, we, we ride with them. Like, we wanted to play them in basketball. We wanted to outdo them in music. So we, again, we started doing dance routine. So on this issue, Morris' mom decides she wants to bring her cousin down in the basement to show us these dance routines. So we're all lined up in my basement. This Morris' cousin, this dude, you know, kind of kind of short, chunky dude, starts doing these um, uh, Sammy Davis Jr. Bojangles moves, right? <laughs> okay. And... And and we're all looking at him and looking at Morris's mom and looking at him and he's doing all these twirls and 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 you know like I said it's kind of like Sammy Davis kind of stuff uh, or more or less and we're like mm, we're we're cool no 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 thank you and and we try our best not to laugh at him but of course Prince starts first starts laughing and then we could we start laughing at the dude and and and, 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 and Morris's mom. She tried so hard to like, not make us laugh, but she knew that she could, we couldn't help it. <laughs> it was totally hilarious, man. Totally hilarious. But I, I just had to throw that one in there. But but, but one more thing. Yeah. That, at another time, too, um, the Jackson Five's dancing machine was, like, number one. So we had, like, I, I would say right now, pretty much everything on the Jets' top 20 list, we did. We that that was that was like our our song list for for Grand Central was just top twenty. So um, Dance Machine was on top was on top of the list. So there's a Martin Luther King Jr. Park in St. Paul. I mean we're doing a gig over there, and we go into the Dance Machine, and when we get to the we go into our little robot routine, <laughs> and I swear Mike, it was the first time that I can recall that we had girls screaming for us. Uh, okay. okay, I mean the girls started screaming like we was like the real deal Hollerfield man, ah, you know, <laughs> screeching and. But I'm telling you, man, we. I think that's one thing about Grand Central too. 
Well, we we did dance routines. We, again, we wanted to ride with the Jackson Five, and that was another issue for us too. Besides, you know, have we, our, our setup was more or less like Earth, Wind, and Fire. We you know with the percussion, guitar, bass, and keys, and stuff, and all that. But we we still would would step out and do routine, dance routines. Wow! So the Jackson was really like a big sort of, you know, uh, I don't say influence, that, but an inspiration that, to be like no, they, that was a, no, that was inspiration. Yeah, inspiration. Yeah, that was a goal. Like, yeah, music became our sport. As a team of Grand Century, we would go up against Team Jackson Five, and that's true. And again, that's so crazy how Michael and Prince ended up becoming the so-called rivalry for the top spot and and, and for the for that issue. Mm-hmm. It's, it's crazy, you know. Yeah, you know, I always say, man, you can't deny Michael Jackson the Jacksons, man. I know a lot of people probably nowadays, someone more of a younger than me, would probably not really understand the scope of how heavy the Jacksons was back then. Oh uh, man, they, 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 like I said, they, they even had a they even had a cartoon, brother. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I caught the tail end of that. I was like a little kid when that that stuff was popping, but you know, I. Yeah, the right, Jacksons was, right. was everything, man. Uh, even yeah, like oh yeah, the, man, like the, the second every, run, all the albums, everything. Yeah, the se- even yeah. like the second run to me, what I jumped on was like Destiny, <laughs> the Destiny album, and and that was I was like, whoa, and then that's when Mike. Got I, out, I think so. for me, uh, it was looking through the windows album. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, that was that was one of my big uh, uh, like come come through on, on the tag. That's why I really started give Mike more respect as a singer. Through the window, gotcha, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Well, all right, Mr. Yeah. Jackson. Again, like I said, I appreciate Thank you, Mr. Show. D. Hey, right, man, that's what, that's what we're here for, man, to uh, give y'all a platform and, and to sit down and listen and, and learn. That's what it is, that's what it's all about. So, with that, I appreciate the time, bro. Oh, no doubt. Thank you. And with that said, we want to thank the listeners for hanging with us and listening and supporting the show. Uh, as I always say. Work it like a job. We will see you next time. Peace.